S-A-M-I-R-Y-E, Sammy Rye here with another one of those podcasts with Sammy Rye, woo, episode 125, this is going to be a good week, hope you guys are tuning in, we're talking about some serious issues this week, right, multiverse storytelling, is this, is it dead, is it even matter, when you have a thousand versions of a character, does it take away from them, or does it add to them? Can we relate to these stories that are so big, that that stretch across the cosmos? Or are we missing the point? Are those stories actually more personal than we realize? Also, we're going to talk about a great game, something I think that everyone's going to be doing, hopefully a new trend, marvel.com forward slash RPG. Marvel is trying to bring pen and paper RPGs back, and they're investing money in it. And I think this is going to be a big thing. We're going to talk about that. I think we'll be playing that. We'll be making more content based on it. Hopefully your friends are going to get together and get involved. This can be the new trend for the next 20, 30 years. I'm talking about that today. And then on the after show, the after show this week is not some kind of calm segment where I talk about things that don't matter. The after show matters more than any other after show I've ever done. Episode 125 will go down as possibly Samurai's greatest after show, where I finally put the nail in the coffin with some great information that I found from guys like Gary Vee and Elon Musk about AI, how it impacts us, and I actually tie it all together. I tie it into Music of the Week. Music of the Week, we got a great pick this week. Movie of the Week is a great pick this week. It's the podcast with Sammy Rye. Let's go. Storytelling across the multiverse. Does it matter? Do, do we lose a sense of importance for our characters, our villains, heroes' deaths, the things they accomplish? When you play it in a multiverse setting, this idea where there's multiple versions of us, so we live across multiple realities, um, you know, does it lose something? All, the, all these films that are desperately trying to you know, connect to each other, um, obviously for commercial reasons, to possibly reboot old franchises, um, you know, consumers obviously don't care about something like you saw that with Shazam. Um, you saw that with the, the most recent Flash film with Black Adam. These films suffer at the box office when, when audiences think these films don't matter. You can skip them. They skip them. They wait for them to come to streaming. Um, if, you know, people hearing that that might not be, those might not be films that connected to the DCU, the new version of it under James Gunn's leadership. Um, people, you know, stop showing up to the box office to watch these films. So it's clear that every single company out here wants to connect them. I just saw across the Spider-Verse, so, you know, warning, um, you know, Spider-Man across Spider-Verse, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, um, the Flash film, all these films are films I'm talking about. So that's potential spoiler warnings for all those films. So, you know, any, any other multiverse based film I might touch on, Spider-Man No Way Home, um, things like that, right? So... I saw across the Spider-Verse, and they connected to literally, I think, everything that ever existed that ever had a Marvel name on it. The MCU has already done this a little bit. You know, in Spider-Man No Way Home, they connect to, you know, um, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films. They basically let you know that, in a way, even though they're in different universes, that can still cross over. And Venom, technically, from the Sony-verse, I guess you'd call it, um, that actually had a connection in some way into MCU. But they did it in a way where it was like, oh, we're bringing the symbiote over, but we're not bringing over Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. He was here for a second, but he left. Um, And that acknowledges that universe. I think for some people, you know, when it comes to which, which package do you want to be a part of, the MCU makes the most money. Obviously, everyone wants to be connected to the MCU. Um, then DC, I guess, you know, maybe is a close second sometimes. The Snyderverse, the DC, EU, whatever. Um, then you have the Sony films. Morbius. Uh, I can't remember their names now. I'm drawing the blank. Morbius, Venom, Venom Part 2. I feel like those films are considered uh, financially. The box office shows that they're a little bit below the rest is universes. So if you want to be in a universe, you kind of don't want to be in that universe. Um, however, they obviously, with the animated films, um, the Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, those films have made a lot of money and are very, very popular. But again, they're even though they're made by Sony, 
up until now, they weren't really seen as like inside the Sony-verse because it's its own universe for Miles Morales, right? So now that they've connected it to literally everything, there's an MCU cameo in there, there's storylines, they mention certain characters from the MCU, they mention the events and what's going on in the MCU affecting their universe and basically everyone else. Um... And then Marvel's What If has already acknowledged the concept of like a character going into a cartoon world and I guess a cartoon world character coming into the real, real world. It's, it's a little confusing. I don't really address it, but I believe in the What If version episode of Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange in that episode that gets like completely corrupt, I think they refer to him as Heartless Strange. I believe he's the, the one that Doctor Strange fights um, in the in the movie Multiverse of Madness, when he's fighting the other Strange, the other Strange that's basically tired and evil, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be the same Doctor Strange from the cartoon What If. Now, when you're watching What If, he's a cartoon. When he's in the other universe, for whatever reason, I'm not sure if it's his own universe, but it doesn't look like a cartoon to us. However, in Multiverse of Madness, when Doctor Strange goes through lots of universes, there is a universe where he turns into a cartoon, I believe there's one he even turns into paint. And they're saying, like, if you exist in those universes, you basically would look like that, basically. For whatever reason, that's just how the universe works. So it's kind of weird, where it says, okay, well, when they have the fights, are they... If you, He went to a different universe, so are, like, are you supposed to be a cartoon now? Or was it like, yeah, we don't want to have a whole fight sequence when everyone's a cartoon, so let's just make the cartoon Doctor Strange look like a real human... You know, to make it easier and make the movie more more coherent. I'm 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 full. I'm fine with it either way. It's just the fact that they brought up the, the visuals of every universe matters. Anyway, let's just keep going. Um, so across the matter is the same thing. There's an MCU actor, a human actor inside the cartoon, and I don't know why he didn't turn into a cartoon. I guess that might have made people feel like, well, he's not really there. Um, and that makes sense. I think definitely having him there in human form as a live action actor did make it feel like, oh my God, an MCU character is actually in this film. Um, but it also doesn't necessarily say that that is exactly who that person is from the MCU. It could be just another multiverse version of that character from another universe. And that's why that character has like his whole, you know, suit and everything like that they don't really say exactly and as far as we know it might not be it may, may never really acknowledge it. it might be years before they acknowledge it in the in the mcu maybe they don't so does it matter so does any of it matter right for us as fans you might say oh that's cool and in our hearts and minds maybe that that's a connection um maybe we think that happened but if you come back to the spider-man's movies in the mcu and they never acknowledge it and they don't address it then did it even really matter and this comes this brings the, 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 the whole question of canon. You know, people don't like the idea that Shazam, Flash, maybe Blue Beetle, uh, that these films are not a part of the new DCU story. Why go watch these films, right? I saw the director for Aquaman 2 was trying to get out in the press and really let people know, hey, it doesn't matter. Come watch Aquaman 2 because it's just a really good standalone movie, even if this story might not directly impact the DCU moving forward. And yeah, I don't think fans want to hear that. Fans do not want to go spend sometimes, you know, 20, 30, 40, up to $100 after food and popcorn, taking their family to go watch a film when they could just wait two months and catch it on a streaming service inevitably. Um, if they don't feel like they, you know, you, you, you want to see it. I know when Spider-Man No Way Home came out, I was kicking myself to get into the theaters in the first three or four days because I didn't want any internet spoilers to come out. I still had got whiff of one of the spoilers um, before I got to the theater. And you don't want that when you're really invested in the story and you feel like the stuff matters. But if Shazam comes and goes and I don't go watch it because I don't feel like, you know, from what I've seen from the DCEU back then, it didn't feel like Shazam's stories were going to ever have an impact on the rest of the stories. Even if you tell me he's in the universe, when Henry Cavill doesn't show up to do a Superman cameo at the end of the film... And it's just some actor. I'm like, this feels cheap. This feels like I'm, I got ripped off. Why did I pay full price for something that you guys are not fully committed to, right? So I can understand someone watching across the Spider-Verse and then saying, hey, um, this is, this is kind of too far. This has gotten to the point 
Bro, what are we even saying here? Because for me as a Spider-Man fan, it's fun seeing a lot of the different versions of Spider-Mans and the nods to other universes. My favorite being Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley Spider-Man. I thought it was so funny. I thought he was great in the movie. Um, and I get that. But I also get someone who doesn't understand all those Spider-Mans and then seeing you know, what looked like thousands of other Spider-Mans saying, well... What does any of this matter? What if, if they kill half these Spider-Men? Do I even care? Just because they, they look like Spider-Men, does it even matter? Am I really sitting here and able to take in the idea that, you know, hundreds of Spider-Men are dead or their universes got destroyed? Does it have any emotional effect on me anymore? And I, the, the, I guess the most extreme version I experienced of this was in Marvel Future Fight, which is a cell phone game. It was one of the first multiplayer games where they tried to make it that any of us could be any character. So there could be a thousand Wolverines and we could all make our Wolverines look different. And I do remember when I played that game, it felt like when everyone's a Wolverine, no one's Wolverine. It felt like being Wolverine didn't matter. It was cheap. It was stupid. Um, and that's not, I think, the way that they should go with those games. I think that it's horrible. When it, just, it just doesn't make... It's just too far, Right. I believe if you do a multiplayer game like that where there's a story, you can have it so that, you know, someone picks Wolverine and then the rest of us pick other characters and we fight in a small story. And if you really want to be Wolverine, then you play with your friends and you guys do a story where you're the person who gets to be Wolverine. Or um, maybe at, at best two or three Wolverines. But I definitely when there was thousands or endless copies of Wolverine, it didn't feel like it mattered anymore from a player because we were interacting with the story. I don't feel like I'm Wolverine. I feel like I'm a guy dressed up like Wolverine, basically. Uh, he just get, it goes too far. So blowing up the bubble this big across the Spider-Verse, um, you know, Multiverse of Madness, you know, saying all these things. There could be all these Doctor Stranges. There could be all these characters. At some point, how much does it matter? I know um, I thought Captain Marvel was pretty cool in Multiverse of Madness. I know some people thought that her character did not matter. She supposedly had all this power. She gets bodied pretty quick by, by um, you know, Scarlet Witch. So why does even Captain Marvel matter? Does that even make Captain Marvel look weak, right? Because if Captain Marvel is supposed to be a really big deal main character, if you kill an alternate version of Captain Marvel, does that just tell us all that, yeah, whatever Captain Marvel's doing is great, but don't let Scarlet Witch show up because she'll body you the same way she bodied the other Captain Marvel, right? I don't know, right? Does it take away from that? And why are we even doing all this? Because it seems like what we're doing is creating a very convoluted story. And it feels like it's all in the vein of commercialism. I know as a movie-watching fan and loving the MCU, I want these stories to go on, hopefully for the rest of my life. To do that, we have some real problems. Actors will get old. People will pass away. People will not be able to do the film sometimes for some other reasons. And if you want these characters to keep on coming back, you need to be able to have other versions of these characters. I, for one, have made the prediction multiple times that Jonathan Majors is the next Iron Man in the MCU. I believe he might show up as what they call Iron Lad, um, as one of his Kang variants. I don't think they're going to say Iron Lad in the films. I think he'll just be his, his future's version of Iron Man. And at the end of it, when it's all said and done and Kang is done and we move on to the next phase, he will remain in the MCU as Iron Man. That's my theory. Um, I, now, that's cool because if you say, well, how are we ever going to have an Iron Man story again? I mean, we're going to say that we're never going to do Iron Man ever again, that character, that idea, that character, because, you know, Robert Downey has done his whole thing and he's left. I don't believe so. I believe, now I also believe Jonathan Major's Iron Man character will not be as important as Robert Downey's Iron Man character. I don't think he's going to be the, the you know, the center of the MCU when it gets to that third major phase or that third, that third incarnation, which I believe will be dominated more by mutants and have a lot of stuff going on there with them. Um, but, you know, Iron Man will just be another character in the MCU that could show up, you know, and then that, that'll be what that, what that is. I think the mutants at that point will have more of a, you know, main presence in the films. But, you know, having the ability to pass on the characters like that, to have a new Captain America with, like, with, you know, with Falcon being the new Captain America, having eventually a new Iron Man with a different person being Iron Man, keeps those, those names and those franchises alive while passing on the mantle or changing the character in some kind of way, 
But the idea keeps going so that you can still reconnect. And you also remember that your character is still there. We always still have the original films, Robert Downey and stuff like that, that we can go back to. Um, I think that, you know, for the viewer, it's going to start bringing up some questions, whether they, you know, people can keep enjoying these films or not. I think for the viewer, we had to start understanding that, you know, we've had examples of this already in other media, and we actually had these examples in our real life. Um, I think it's hard to educate, you know, a populace to have them have a different perspective on these stories. But but I'm sure that's what they're going for. I'm sure they would, they'd rather this happen because that's going to make them more money. So there's always an or a reason to do that, basically. You know, I remember when I was younger reading Wolverine comic books. Sometimes they would do, like, Wolverine's on the X-Men. He's on a team. And there might be four different X-Men books to come out. And they're all a part of the same canon, the ongoing story of the X-Men, which is kind of weird because you think, well, well, like, when are these exactly happening? If I read this issue and at the same exact time four other issues come out, which events necessarily come first? And when you read them, you realize a lot of times it doesn't matter because the stories you're telling are focusing on different parts of these characters' lives or times when they hung out with other people. And they're not really important. It is the same character, and we can say all this happened to that character and add all this to their mythos. But every single event isn't that important. Sometimes Wolverine will get his own comic book. He might even have two or three of his own comic book at the height of his popularity. So you could be reading, you know, like, like one Wolverine story and someone else will be reading another Wolverine story. And they might have different stories that are their favorite stories. I recall this one Wolverine story that was a reboot. Because Wolverine had a comic for a long time. And then they canceled it. And then they're going to reboot it. And I was always excited as a kid to be able to get an issue number one of something new. Thinking, okay, now I can follow this from now into the future. I'm here at the beginning. Instead of me hunting these old comic books, it was hard to find. But I remember in the reboot, Wolverine was animated different. He looked a little bit shorter. And um, there was a storyline, I think, where he was like trying to help this like, homeless kid with whatever situation they were dealing with. And basically, the story was just so self-contained. So Wolverine could do all this stuff with this kid beat up all these bad guys, kill all these people. And then when I go read my other issue where he's, you know, taller, he's on the X-Men, he's trying to get with Jean Grey, he's fighting global events. I'm not sure when which happened, but it didn't really matter because the one thing doesn't, you know, really impact the other. And it was just kind of cool now knowing, I mean, Wolverine's such a nice guy that, you know, there was this one time he was helping this little kid um, and they might even, you know, clever writers sometimes and then, you know, years later call back to that story. Maybe that kid grows up and becomes something. You say, well, who's this kid? And you're like, oh, yeah, that one time Wolverine was doing that one thing. You can go back and find that comic. And it's like, oh, that's cool. That would give you a cool, you know, factor, like a, like a feeling, and it would make you want to go read all the different books if, that you can get your hands on, right? I think that's a fun thing when you're a comic book fan, that kind of, you know, feeling. So the movies, I think, are trying to get to that space. But unlike the comics, they're doing a, a lot of writing and a lot of explanation to give themselves so many outs where they could say or go back and change or move things and, you know, all these things. Across the Spider-Verse, which, again, I don't know how much their storytelling dictates what's going on in the MCU. I don't know how much of these things have been agreed with with the MCU. However, there is a clear... Clear agreement, it seems. It seems clear to me, at least. When Miles Morales is shown glitching out in his film on the new season of Loki, which is coming right after this, Loki is glitching out. Now, this seems to me like that is the biggest handshaking we've seen so far where it looks like Marvel and Sony are saying, we're, in, we're into this for the long haul. Like that we, are, we are now complete partners in this. And if they go make movies that people don't like, like let's say you know Morbius wasn't well received, Carnage and Venom and stuff like that wasn't well well received, you kind of could just ignore those if you don't really want to know about it, because those characters can't just walk into a Marvel movie, uh, and and it looks like so far Marvel has no reason to bring those characters over. However, a character you do like, like Tom Holland Spider Man, may end up at some point being in a Carnage movie or a Venom movie or whatever. Um, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's just another, that's just that's the one issue of the comic book I don't want to buy, basically. That's just, I'm not interested in that story. I don't care about that story. And typically, even though the stories might be interesting to add a little bit more development to the character, we know that story isn't going to be the main, most important story. I think that's what Marvel's getting to. 
it looks like they're allowing Sony to come along with them to that journey. Um, I think that's all because if they're going to make future Marvel films, Marvel's going to want to do a Spider-Man film with a live-action Miles Morales. At that point, there's literally nothing you could do. The what-if cartoon was 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 um was you know a success. The Spider-Verse cartoons are a success. Um, your live-action stuff, obviously, there are examples of that being a success. They can do whatever they want forever. You can have all kinds of Spider-Man come and go. You can have Spider-Man, you know, with, with, with Kang. You can show that you can have characters come throughout time. You can bring people back with AI or with CGI. There's literally anything that you can do. And I think as a viewer, these stories still do matter because when you when you press play and you put something on, whatever's happening for that five minutes or that 10 minutes or that half an hour or the hour based on what it is you're watching, is no different than you and I in our own personal lives. You know, if I go hang out with a friend that no one else knows and we go get into some adventures, that matters for me. If you're interested in that story of me and you saw that story, you'd be interested. However, when I go hang out with my other friends, they might not even know the other person exists. And that still is a story in my life that matters. Both stories matter to me. However, one group may not care at all about the other group. They might not want to watch that episode. They might, you might tell them, well, I did all this stuff with my other friend. And they're like, uh, okay, whatever. Like, I guess that's cool. But like, it doesn't really matter to them. It doesn't really affect their lives. So I think that's, that's what storytelling is for us. I think if we, have, if we look at these situations and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not a fan of this story or I'm not a fan of, you know, Sony and Marvel taking two hours to explain to me all the stuff just so they can keep selling me stuff forever. Um, I think in that situation, we could look at it and say, well, maybe some of these things aren't for us, so we should skip them. But then there's going to be other things that we do like a whole lot that we're going to watch a whole lot, and that makes the whole thing better. So when you're a Spider-Man fan and you like, you know, the Marvel movies, but you're not a fan of when he appears in cartoons or when he appears over here, that's fine. You know, you still, when you watch a Marvel movie, you're not going to have to worry so much about what happens to the other things. But if you are a fan who wants everything, you now have tons of content to consume, and all this concept is respected, at least in some kind of way of you knowing maybe one day those elements can still come across. So that's my take on the multiverse. I think the storytelling that works. I definitely think maybe in maybe five or six years, they need to stop talking about it so much and kind of go back to just being normal. And we know the elements are there. They've taught the world the elements are there. And they can just use it when needed. Um, because it is a lot of stuff right now, especially with DC kind of also doing it. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a lot of stuff out there dealing with this multiverse stuff. Um, and I think at some point, people can kind of get sick of it. So it'd be nice to see stories kind of get more focused. But that's my take on it. I think that it still works. Um, what do you guys think? Drop me some messages in the Discord. Let's get a conversation going. What is, your, what is some of the things you like about the multiverse being connected? Or are there some things that irritate you? Let me know. Music of the week. This week, we have an interesting song. It's kind of a murder mystery here because the band Commuter, which is the band that made the song, seems to not exist. It's kind of odd now at this age of the internet trying to find a band that has a legendary song that I wanted to pick for Music of the Week, and the band doesn't exist. It's C-O-M-M-U-T-E-R, Commuter, right? Like someone, I guess, taking a train or going on a bus to work. They don't seem to exist. But the song of this Music of the Week is Young Hearts, which is featured in the movie Karate Kid and also in season one of Cobra Kai. And my God, this song is great. I didn't have it on my Spotify playlist, but I added it again this week when I was re-watching Cobra Kai. And my God, what a legendary song. I know for me as an 80s kid and as a Karate Kid kid, my life is really all about Karate Kid. It's amazing to me how one film impacted me so much as a child, and I, I had no idea until watching Cobra Kai, the TV show. This song, Young Hearts, by this band, Commuter, it seems to have never existed. Um, they have no other songs I can find. I, I guess the movie people or someone wrote the song, and they put together a band to perform the song, and they weren't really a band. They kind of went their own way. I guess kind of like a boy band that doesn't exist. You know, like when labels used to put together people to do a song, those people might not have stayed around to keep doing songs. Maybe they had no other ideas. Maybe one guy sung the song, one guy wrote the song, and then if they're not working together, it's not even the same band anymore. So they were called Commuter, 
but it doesn't seem like they're a band, and I don't know where any of the members went. Um, you know, it was the 80s. I guess they all went to go do normal things, and there's like zero internet presence, and no one seems to care to archive any of their stuff. Even with the resurgence of the TV show, I actually found only Reddit articles of everyone talking about how the band is just doesn't exist. It's, it's kind of crazy. So what a really interesting pick, I think, for Music of the Week. Um, but Young Hearts is the song. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and I was growing up in, like, you know, the 80s, it's the 90s, I guess the 90s, I became more coherent. I'm, like, six, seven years old, whatever. Um, you know, I could hear songs my parents liked. They were from Motown. They were from 30 or 40 years ago. And even though I was young, I still could listen to those lyrics and hear those sounds and connect with that music. I see some kids nowadays act like, you know, old stuff. They just don't get it. They're like on their phone, not paying attention. I think young generation gets kind of a bad rep like that because I don't think everyone back in the 90s, I don't think all the kids were as open to the idea of listening to music from 30 or 40 years ago like I was. I know some kids were, but not all kids. So I think we kind of crap on the current generation of kids sometimes. But I hope there's some kids out there right now that are, you know, in their teenage years and they watched Cobra Kai or they came across this song. And I think this song and the lyrics, the simplicity of it still cuts to the core and makes you feel happy to be alive, makes you feel happy to be young. And even if you're older now, when you hear this song, you can remember, yeah, man, that's what it's like. That's what it's like being in love. That's what it's like having fun. This week, listen to Commuter's Young Hearts, or in other ways, the Karate Kid song, Young Hearts, because it's almost, the, the band doesn't exist. But Young Hearts is my pick for Music of the Week. Marvel.com forward slash RPG. Look it up, right? I'm going to be talking about this a lot. I think there's been a really exciting thing going on with Marvel's new product they have out that's going to be an RPG, a pen and paper RPG, much like Dungeons & Dragons. A lot of people in 2023 have not played a game like Dungeons & Dragons, which which is referred to as a pen and paper RPG or a tabletop RPG. What is that, right? It gives people a way to just be kids again, in my opinion, or it gives kids a way to be kids and just act out and play stories with their friends or family or even by themselves if you want to, where you get to sit down and think of, well, you know, what would a story be like if you were Spider-Man? What would a story be like if you were this character? You can make up your own character. Um, how would you guys play together? And then the storytelling is fun because since you're interacting with each other, the story can change and go in different directions. Dungeons and Dragons, I thought the idea was such a cool idea as a kid. Because when you're playing a video game and you have all these great visuals and stuff, a lot of the game still happens in your head. If you're playing a game like Grand Theft Auto, for example, I think Grand Theft Auto 4 was the first game that introduced the idea that you can go on a date. If you go on a date or you hang out with your buddies in that game, the, the, the graphics are nice, but there's still only a few things that you could do. So if you're in trying to get into the game and the story, and you believe there's some kind of relationship happening with your friend or with a girl in the game, that's in your mind. When people play The Sims, same thing. You're creating a family. Your characters are walking around. Oh, he's making pizza. Look at him. He's kind of like making a funny animation and the pizza pops out. Um, some of that story happens in your mind. It's not actually happening in the game. Like It's not some kind of like cinematic, you know, really detailed story. You're playing with these basically virtual toys and this is happening for you. When you're a kid, a lot, lot more people are familiar with the idea of playing with toys. Um, but sitting around, making up stories, playing with toys, you do this, you do that, whatever. A big problem, I think, always happened with toy playing and why that goes away as you become an adult is because there's no structure to how kids do that, which is probably nice. Um, the kids can just do whatever they want. I think that's, I don't get that structure to everything. But what if you wanted to keep that storytelling going and as an adult, add another layer to it that could be more satisfying because you could have a real winner a real loser. If you know someone's saying, oh, I I want my Barbie doll to get married to this person. Someone's saying, well, I want my Barbie doll to get married to that person. Well, it, when you're kids, that's just an argument. There's no way to really decide what happens. And some person is going to feel dissatisfied. Usually it's the person who isn't the, 
the more dominant person in that friendship, right? It's just kind of like you persuade them or you force them to go with the story you wanted. One kid might go off crying. It's just so unjust, right? But with RPG games, they had a very simple concept of, hey, when there is conflict, we're going to roll a dice. And based on you know your, your, your stats and luck, something's going to happen. We're going to see what's going to happen. It adds just a little bit of uh, you know structure to it. I remember one of the best games I ever played with my friends, and it sucked that it happened way too late in life. I think I might have been about 14 or 15. My friends typically were about three to six years older than me. Um, we, we all, I used to play with my friends that live in a certain area and we used to play GI Joe's as kids, right? But somebody, I think my friend Jason came up with an idea to introduce the idea of conflict resolution to any, any GI Joe fighting, right? If you ever play GI Joe, oh, my guy shoots your guy. Well, I don't want to die. I don't want, I don't want your guy to shoot my guy. Nah, he did and I dodged. You missed me. No, 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 no. I have a sniper rifle. I'm a soldier. You were standing there not doing anything. My guy shot your guy. No, 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 no. I not, that didn't happen or whatever. Marvel.com forward slash RPG. I want everyone to check this out. I've, I have Dungeons and Dragons. I want you guys to look into this because I think it's something that maybe with the, you know, with apps, there's a, an app out. I think it's called D20. Look this up real quick. I should have this ready for me, right? Marvel.com forward slash RPG. Keep on saying it, right? Very simple. I really like that Marvel's invested in that domain name. I think that's really them showing that they're um, standing by marvel.com forward slash RPG. They're standing by their commitment to this product, you know, moving forward. Um, why is this doing this? Mm, now I'm getting, I'm getting a redirect here. We're going to go to Google. Marvel. RPG. Make sure there's no virus or something on the site. Let me double check this. Okay, no. Marvel.com forward slash RPG. It's working. Okay. There's a tool that's called Roll20 where you can play online with people. I'm not necessarily sure I'm all for that. That's something where I feel like that's going to be a little bit harder. Um, you know, playing with people online and everyone sitting in, their, in front of their webcam, you know, acting out things. I don't know how popular that's going to get. I think it's a nice tool, but I mean, I think being in a room with people really makes this kind of play fun. And you know, for adults, besides going to the movies, besides going to the club, besides having some drinks or eating food, there's not a lot of adult activities. And one of the big activities that can always fill your time as a kid is just pretending. It sucks so bad that as we all become adults and we all get real cool, that we don't do that. However, we do know that adults are actors. We see them in our shows. We see them in our movies. We love that. That storytelling is such an a, a important thing to humans as a, as a species, right? How many stories, how much of your life have you invested watching other people your age act out TV shows and movies, yet you, know, you might have ideas for movies. You might have ideas for shows. You might think, oh, I, I would like to be in one of these situations, but then you can't. And if you're a person who really does not like acting, and you don't like that idea in a social setting, you can be a game master or you can be a narrator, as Marvel's rules refer to it. Um, and you can be the person that just understands how the game works and you kind of like are the director, basically. So there's a little bit of rules. There's a little bit of space here for everybody. Um, I imagine even, too, you have friends over that just like to watch and laugh at you guys be silly, right? The game, to get, right, to get into it right now, there's some free you know, examples of how you play the game online. I'm going to be doing a lot of content on this um, and sharing this more because I feel real passionate about this content. I think adults should get into this stuff more. Um, the book itself, the main book, normally retails for $60. It's on sale right now on Amazon for $35. I highly recommend getting it. And if you got the extra cash, they already have the next expansion already um, plans. And I believe that's on sale for $35, but it's a pre-order. Um, and it was kind of cool is, you know, talking about the multiverse and stuff. This game is basically called Marvel Multiverse Role-Playing Game, right? And it, it just, again, goes with the same concept that you're seeing in the Spider-Man movie we talked about. And the same concept we've seen in the, the other Marvel products you're talking about. We're like, well, what if you played, right? If you and your friends play a Marvel game, 
Well, that's your universe, right? So you, you can look at the other universes, you can borrow characters and control them, but you're also creating your own version of this universe, right? It's a shared storytelling experience that mankind gets to kind of do. Um, I think that's really fun. And I think there's going to be hints in here. Since it's being produced by Marvel proper, again, marvel.com forward slash RPG, they are, I feel like they're, that, that domain is important because they're having all these products come out and it goes in line with their merchandise, obviously. I do not believe this is going to be like, you know, the canon of, um, you know, the MCU movies and stuff. They're not going to be presented here. But I definitely see from when I looked at the product so far, there is a, a high attention to, I guess you say, like detail and respect for what the overall Marvel product is. You know, the Marvel comics and the Marvel movies are not connected, but one does influence the other. I saw recently the new Doctor Strange film is going to um, you know, try to maybe go off of um, some of the story. It's a rumor. So off the story presented from a 2014 Doctor Strange um, storyline called Out of Time. They're going to take elements from it. It's not going to be exact, but they're going to take elements from it. So I think that's always fun where it's like, oh, well, you know, while you're waiting for the Doctor Strange movie, maybe you want to go buy those comics, right? It's going to give you an idea of what's happening. It's not going to be exact. I was super hyped at the end of Ant-Man Quantumanium. When I saw the Kang, the Council of Kangs, I didn't know about the Council of Kangs, but I did know about the Council of Richards. Um, that's a, that's a storyline where Mr. Fantastic goes through the multiverse and he finds a bunch of other versions of Mr. Fantastic. And since they're all like the smartest people in the universe, they try to get together and solve all the multiverse's problems. And they do things like, uh, they use, like, I think they used one universe to like farm food to help feed other universes that didn't have a lot of food. Um, crazy problems and crazy solutions. And I thought, wow, how exciting is this? And basically, the metaphor I find, because you always got to connect this to real humans, is like this is what happens when great minds come together, right? Any problem can be solved, even these ridiculous problems. So at home, the problems you face in your life and your community, they can be solved too. Perhaps you need to just get together with people, right, um, who are like-minded and are focused on you know fixing these problems. So I think the stories are still relatable, even though stories are very, very grandiose and the scale of what you're doing it. But on the website and on Amazon, you can see there's already plans for future books that are coming. You can buy them, I think, all for $35 right now. Um, and the, the one that got me the most excited, it really pushed me over, besides looking at the sample rules, is next year, I believe, in the beginning of the year, there's an X-Men expansion coming out. So you got the core rule book that has tons of characters in it for $35. Um, Catalyst of Kang is $45 right now, actually. You can get that. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to the doctors on Friday. I have this. I have a throat issue right now. It's bothering me for like three weeks. And next year, you have the X Men coming out for thirty five dollars. So you can create your own characters. You don't need to buy all these books. But these books, typically, besides having the basic rules, which I read and understood in about an hour, um, they have character sheets. They have a lot of beautiful artwork. They have sample stories. So if you're sitting down, say, "Oh, we're we gonna do." There's stories already in here, like a story about you know. Um, these characters go to some place and Hydra's robbing it because there's some thing there they want to get. That story's laid out for there. So as a narrator, the person who runs the game, you get to control all the NPCs, basically. And then your friends can pick the characters they want. They play. They can earn points. They could die. They could get hurt. Um, in their progress, could even carry over into multiple games if they wanted to. Super, super cool concept. And when it comes to bang for your buck, if I spend $35, which I did, and by the core rule book, I could have potentially limitless fun with my friends. If my friends come over to my house and they're interested in this, or if we do it over on Skype or Zoom or something like that, um, you know, we can have potentially limitless fun. I think there's something I think that, you know, as adults, we are the generation that grew up on cartoons, which is why CGI movies and cartoon movies can make a billion dollars now. I remember when I was a kid, my parents didn't watch cartoons like that. It was very, very rare for them to watch a cartoon. And I remember being so fascinated that adults in Japan watched anime. They would go to the theaters to watch anime. And obviously it's because the storytelling is more complex um, and they have more serious themes. And in America at the time, they were only doing cartoons. Um, I, I thought that our, my generation might grow up and then grow out of cartoons. Luckily, we didn't. Everyone's watching them. Our kids are watching them. We've caught up. Japan has always been the future. 
and now we're living in that future. Um, even though I don't know what they're doing in Japan now, it's probably the next thing. They're already on to the next one, right? But for us, I think role-playing games can become really important. And the reason I think they become really important because I think that we can make them cool again. We can show them in a new way. The way that TikTok and social media has leveraged um, you know, that, that technology to bring other you know, old hobbies to the forefront. I think RPGs is something that you could show on TikTok. You could show on, um, you know, social media and make it fun and cool. And I can see a lot of different versions of this getting played out. Um, and I won't get into all those ideas right here, but I get inspired by it. And I'm, I'm going to be doing a, another spinoff show called Get Creative with Samurai. And maybe I'll feature some of that content on here. Give you guys little samples of what I'm doing on that channel or, or those avenues. Um, and this is going to be one of the main things I'm going to do there. I have Dungeons and Dragons, and I have this thing called, I think, Spellcraft, which is Dungeons and Dragons basically in space. What what I really like about Marvel, though, is that it, the rules are so much simpler. It's a very simple game. I'm going to have a video where I explain this, you know, coming up shortly, um, where I think I get the book in like two days, and then I'll make the video, and hopefully in a week, maybe my next podcast, maybe we'll have this out. But basically, you can sit down with your friends, you start off with a story, story premise, and then whoever's there playing, you know, you guys have a conversation back and forth. Maybe you're having some drinks, you're having some food, sitting around a table, hanging out with your friends. You guys are playing, well, hey, man, what would you do, right? You're, you're going to be Spider-Man. All right, you're Wolverine. You guys are in a mission. You guys are hanging out in New York. You got a bodega. Spider-Man is showing you the best place to get a cheesesteak. And you're like, ah, you know, I'm Wolverine. I had a thousand cheesesteaks. There's no way this cheesesteak is good. You go there and then something starts happening. Boom. Bad guy shows up or whatever. Let's see what happens. You keep the story going. And then watching your friends play, I saw this really funny video where, um, you know, a few friends were playing and one guy was like acting out Rocket Raccoon and he was a really good Rocket Raccoon. I thought he had great responses. One of his friends was Groot. So every time he said Groot, his other friend just had to apply what he was saying, which forced the other guy playing Groot to kind of have to do certain things that he didn't really want to do. Hilarious. Again, Something is so fun, I think, for you and your friends to get together if you love this stuff. And then again, you make video content about it if you want to, to preserve those memories. I wish, I wish me and my friends had videos of us playing Shadowrun as we were kids. I'm sure in my head, they're, they're a lot cooler than what they were. But what was cool, and I stand by, it's still cool today, was the stories we came up with together. The stories that we acted out, that ended up making epic moments from the dice roll me wanting to do something, my friend wants to do something different, which one of us won. Um, it created legends within our own, you know, our circle that still today as adults, uh, literally, you know, 30, 25 years later, we still talk about those stories. I remember those characters, they live with us the same way major brands characters live with us. So, you know, it's, it'd be really funny, I think, for people to have more of that in their lives or maybe... You remember that time you were playing Spider-Man and five years later, you're like, oh, man, remember that time you were playing Spider-Man, you did that weird thing, you jumped off the window and you knocked over the guy, ha, 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 ha. That's what can happen when you're sitting around with your friends as opposed to, you know, some of the other things that you guys can do. There's nothing wrong with going out and watching movies and stuff like that, but there's some weekends where there's nothing else to do. So order a few pizzas, get some people over. You can even have a friend who's not there in person just join you on a video call. I'm be doing this stuff. I'm excited marvel.com forward slash rpg if you guys want to check out the free resources they have up there for you or maybe even go ahead and take a plunge and dive in and buy yourself the core book also you don't have to but i i think this game deserves you know a lot of fan support marvel's obviously supporting it they've showed at least three you know books that they have planned already um and hopefully this takes off there was a game like this back in the 80s me and my friends played i think it was called the trs game marvel trs game uh, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was a really fun way to play. You can even use some of those pieces and stuff in this game um, if you really wanted to. But yeah, so much awesome stuff here. I hope you guys check it out. These are two big things I want to talk about You know, this week on the podcast. I'm going to get it, and you're going to see more content coming from me really soon. Movie of the Week. I talked about it a bit in the multiverse section of the podcast, but it, it needs to be said because guys like me who are idiots, I am an idiot sometimes. Um, I was dragging my feet to go see the new Spider-Man movie across the Spider-Verse. And I don't know why, because I did the same thing when the first animated movie came out. 
I did not see it in theaters. I don't believe. I don't believe I saw it in theaters. But I did not feel like it was going to be important. It wasn't MCU proper. It was a Sony film. It wasn't even a Sony film that connected to the other Sony films. It was just like another, another version of a universe. It was an animated movie. And people who saw the original, um, you know, I think it's called Into the Spider-Verse, thought it was some, there was a lot of arguments being made. It was the best superhero movie ever made. And that was a hard pill to swallow. But I remember watching it and saying, okay, while I may not necessarily agree, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm not going to argue with anyone who says Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best superhero movie ever made. I'm not going to argue with that statement because that movie blew me away. I was surprised I could care that much about an animated film. And in fact, in some ways, I think the animated film did a better job at telling a story than a lot of the live action films do because of the visuals, because they can be so expressive with the artwork. It was like living artwork put on the the screen, the way they use the images and they use the shapes of the arts and they distort certain scenes and stuff. They could do all this stuff using extreme colors to really simply invoke a lot of feeling that you're not going to always get from a live action film that's trying to look realistic. And the Marvel films aren't very stylized. You know, when you're watching MCU films, they try to look grounded thanks to The Dark Knight, thanks to Iron Man 1. These are films that tried their hardest to ground us in reality and convince us as adults that we should be watching superhero films. So when you go to something like, you know, Into the Spider-Verse, it's a giant leap backwards into literally a cartoon movie um, with comic book-like characters. And that could seem like such a childish thing. However, the movie is very, very serious and, you know, extremely expressive and it can evoke lots of emotion like what any good storytelling should do. It's a great marriage between visuals and storytelling. However, with all that being said about Into the Spider-Verse, I did not go see Across Spider-Verse in theaters. I kind of thought, number one, it's not MCU proper. I can wait. Number two, any spoilers or anything that comes out of it, I don't care because it doesn't matter because it's not connected to my main story, which is the MCU story, the one I care about the most. And then, um, yeah, I finally got around to watching it this week and I wanted to kick myself in the face with a steel tip boot because I, I did it again. I underestimated the film because it was animated, because it wasn't made by the actual MCU team. I didn't know what they would even do with the sequel and how they would make it connect. And it doesn't matter. Because the film does everything that a film could do all over again. I'm so used to other companies not being able to make storytelling that I believe is on par with Marvel on their best day. Not saying everything Marvel does is perfect. But Marvel on their best day has some great stories that they've been able to create for us over the last decade. And other companies seem to not know how to do that. I wish they did. I really do. I was, I was all for the Dark Universe. I wanted to see Universal do it. I watch all the Fast and the Furious movies. They're pretty decent sometimes, but they're not all the way there. I watched all the DCU movies. They, they didn't do it. So I even watched Spider-Man movies, the Sony ones. I saw Morbius. I saw Venom. I saw Carnage. So... I'm disappointed a lot of times when I watch the film. I just don't feel like the story times, the storylines are always as good as they could be. There's always these remnants I feel like of old storytelling or old movie making that are left over, um, where they have to you know bring back somebody from the dead because now they realize they want these characters in the film, but they clearly died and they have to like shove it back in there, shoehorn it. it makes it not that good. It's something that other other companies do. So watching Across the Spider Verse, which is my pick for movie of the week. I, I did not have any high hopes. I was completely blown away by it. Um, they did a great job of reminding me of the story of the first one because I didn't know everything about it. They took that story and they expanded on it almost too far. They stretched that story so far out there. They, it pretty much broke, I would think, in some places. But if you stick with it by the end of the film, they explain to you, which kind of inspired me my, my whole episode of the podcast this week, Almost like, I, th- I feel like if you don't see the film, you haven't seen the film yet, I don't want to ruin it. But for me, a takeaway I took from it, maybe you, you'll get this when you watch it. I, I took away from it, that, you know, what is important? How do we define that? And I think what important is, is whatever is important to you as an individual. There's obviously things that are more important to everyone, and that's nice, and we should all kind of like work towards that. However, at the end of the day, what's most important to you is what's most important. 
And when you have these stories with multiverse characters and all this stuff, and you tell a character, you say something to a character about their importance in the whole thing. You always hear people talk about this from a human aspect of it. Oh, you're only going to be alive for a hundred years. When you look at how the Earth's been around for billions of years, you're insignificant. You hear another narrative. The universe is so big. Whatever we're doing here on the Earth matters, matter is insignificant. And I can understand that perspective. But we are not omnipotent beings that get to observe time and space or whatever. We're individuals. We experience life through our eyes and our senses. Um, and that's how we see our perspective. And, you know, your life, for whatever reason, is here. You deserve to ha- be happy. You deserve to have your own things. Um, no one should come tell you that you're insignificant and what you want doesn't matter. Um, and I think that's something that is worth fighting for. And I think those are the things that are important when you get into multiverse storytelling. When you step back and say, these stories do matter to us because we are, we are experiencing this. We're not experiencing it in the way they are where it's a cartoon and there's a thousand versions of me running around. However, if there were, I would still think what I think is important is important. And another way to look at it would be, well, if there's these other people running around who are not me, but they're like me, they're just other people, same thing. My, my story is still important. You know, everyone's still story is important to them. So I think that's a really cool takeaway. I think it's refreshing. I think, you know, in a place where people say there's not a lot, not, not a lot of original stories coming out or whatever, it's a very different kind of movie. There's not many movies that tackle storytelling from that kind of perspective. So Across the Spider-Verse is available on streaming. You guys can get it now. If you haven't seen it like me um, and you're an idiot like me and you waited as long as I did because I'm an idiot, um, yeah, go watch it. It's definitely worth your time. Um, and I think, again, take some of the things in there with a grain of salt. There's a lot of cameos and things that they kind of stretch around to. And they can become distracting. It's almost too much sometimes. But again, just let it go. Watch it again. Watch it three or four times. I think at that point you'll realize what everything is and where everything stands. And that's my pick for movie of the week. Welcome to the after show. But I'm not doing my my normal shtick where I say, oh, stretch and relax and let our hair down. Because the after show this week is going to be in your face. It's going to be active. We got work to do. We got a lot of things we got to touch on. And this is basically its own segment of the podcast this week because what's going on in my normal life is really, really serious right now. It's serious to you, and there's, there's no relaxing, okay? What are we attacking here? I realize that one week is going to be the last podcast I ever record, and that's kind of crazy because last week, last week I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, but I've been sick for like two or three weeks. I got some, I got, I'm going to doctors on Friday. I got some weird thing, some kind of weird cough or whatever. And uh, you, know, you get a cough and you're like, ah, no big deal. But I've had a three-week consistent cough that's not getting worse or better. It's just a very consistent cough. It's a very weird way to be sick. Um, and hopefully I'll go and it'll be no big deal and it's not, not a thing, whatever. But because of that, I've also had some fatigue. I've been exercising a lot. I've been swimming a lot with my daughter. She's making a lot of great strides in swimming. Um, I saw her, you know, she's eight years old, and about four months ago, she barely could swim. I think she couldn't swim. And now she can do laps in a pool on her back doing the backstroke. She just learned the backstroke, and she has a beautiful backstroke. It's better than my backstroke. Um, and, you know, having that, going to the, going there all the time to the pool, um, trying to exercise, trying to eat right, and, and then doing everything I'm doing creatively in Fortnite Creative, I'm trying to pioneer and do all this stuff by myself, mostly, pretty much yeah, by myself. Um, it's exhausting. And sometimes, you know, I just hit a block where I just have extreme fatigue. And last week's podcast, I still try to be consistent and put things out. But definitely I was feeling like, oh, down about it, right? Coming into this week, you know, I heard some great conversations by guys like Gary Vee, guys like Elon Musk. And I don't care what you think about any of these people. If you're not following them, you're making a grave, grave mistake because these guys are talking to um, other people and they're bringing you a general idea of what the world is going forward to. You may not agree with everything they say, and a lot of times what they're saying is like a hypothesis. However, these people are looking towards the future and it's a bright future. It's It's a lot of sequels coming kind of future where I think sometimes people try to look at things like, oh, the best is behind us, and oh, you know, ah, now we don't do these kind of things anymore, and things are kind of closing down, right? The restaurant's closing on life, and we're getting older, and la, 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 and it's all bullshit, right? I don't cuss a lot in the podcast, but it's bullshit, 
because the future is bright. The future is constantly happening and it's constantly around us. And as humans, you're either going to adapt and change or you're going to get old. And I always knew that was true. Since I was a child, I remember my grandparents used to want me to help them program their VCR. And that sometimes would frustrate me after like the 20th time of programming the clock on their VCR because it was so simple to do. And they always just seemed to have like a disregard for it. However, my grandfather and my grandmother were extremely knowledgeable on things that I had no concept of. So I knew even in their their older age, they had the mental capability to do anything they wanted to do. However, they just decided that this thing that was important to them, having a clock on their VCR, they could have had other clocks in the house, but the VCR was there and they wanted to have the right time on it. However, they would not read the six steps or the four steps or the two steps that it took to understand how to do it. They did not want to do it. And back then as a kid, other people that were adults would tell me, ah, that's because they're older and older people don't get technology. As a kid, I thought, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. There's no way that they can't understand this technology. 100% they can understand this technology. But for whatever reason, they wrote it, they wrote it off. They didn't think it mattered. They didn't think it mattered to them. And because of that, there was a disconnect that happened. And I said, no, 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 no. When I get older, I'm never going to allow that to happen to myself. Because I want to live life to the fullest every single day as much as I can all the way till I die. That brings fatigue. That brings tiredness. But I do hope that one day I make a podcast episode and I don't know that's my last podcast episode. And then I'm not, I'm not there next week, right? I hope I keep it going that long. And that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome to do this and play it all the way to the bone. Um, and the reason I talk about that is because as the world keeps changing, this week for Music of the Week, I picked a song called Young Hearts by a made-up band called The Commuter, right? Or The Commuters. They're not really a band. But what's kind of cool about that is there's a controversy going on in 2023 about AI, right? And the use of AI, there's a new deal supposedly on the table from Hollywood Studios to the writers that involves, you know, some kind of clause that humans will always be used inside their productions and stuff like that, which is awesome. I'm all for it, obviously. And that basically AI won't replace humans, but there will be... There will be some use of AI, right? And there's a lot of controversy about AI. And Gary Vee made a really good point. That back in like the 1920s, 85% of the people on the planet had a job dealing with agriculture, working basically on farms. And now that number is obviously extremely lower. Now it's not very common to meet someone who works on farms. Yet we're all doing something, right? AI is a tool that helps you know, change the way things are. A lot of the jobs that we used to do, we won't do anymore, but we'll be doing new kind of jobs, right? So he made a great example saying that, you know, one of his video editors, that um, their job is basically have 30 people on his staff and their job is to look through all of the content he makes, all the hours of podcasts and stuff and find the best parts and edit it into new content. And they already have AI that could do that job um, and sometimes even do it better than the 30 people on that, that staff. He says, so what's, what's going to happen? When they get to the point where they're using AI and they don't need those three people, <clears throat> they're going to do something else. Because the people that he's hired have other skills. They're quality employees, so they'll do something else. They'll help run the AI. They'll also be able to do other parts of their job. And I see this in my line of work. I do cybersecurity. And it's the same thing we always do. My entire profession has been making my job obsolete. That's what you do in autom- with automation in the technology sector is you find ways to get programs to do whatever tasks that you're doing that the company needs. And once that program can do it for you, they then take your mind and your experience to tackle the next problem, you keep on going. And you think, oh, eventually, well, then you're going to make yourself obsolete. You'll have this computer that could do everything. And this is not how things work. I mean, you won't need as many people, but when you're doing that, there'll be another thing coming out, right? So if you did cybersecurity... And this entire time, you've been making your job obsolete. Well, now there's a new problem with AI. I'm sure AI is going to have security issues. There's going to be deep fakes. How do you stop deep fakes, right? Publishers are dealing with this already. How do you stop people from sending in books made by AI? Oh, you need need AI that can catch AI, right? You need security. Again, please excuse me. I have medical condition with this throat this week. I'm going to doctors in two days. Anyway, looking at that stuff, you know, seeing that those are the changes 
that we are all facing, it's really exciting to think about that song, Young Hearts by the Commuters. Because what happened in that situation was there was a writer who had a song and he wanted to express that song to the world. And he didn't have a band, but he wrote that one song. And in some way or the other, either some producer came in or maybe they met a vocalist or maybe they, maybe they worked at a movie company. They went out and hired three or four people to come together and make a song. And because they needed a name for the band, I guess, for the back of the CD, they called themselves the Commuters. And that's the, the main part is the writer wanted to get that song made, right? So the song made, and the song is awesome. I love it. It's very simple lyrics, awesome little guitar riff, um, really captures the essence of what was needed in the movie at that moment. And that's it. The writer's gone now. I don't know if they've ever made any other music. I can't find any, any thread. Um, but how awesome is that? If you're a person out there, they used to always say, everybody has at least one good book in them. That's your life story, right? Everyone can stop and write a book if they wanted to. And is there a need for that in the world? 100%. 100% because as a person, you're not going to read every book ever written. You don't have to. However, you're going to read some books, the books you come across. And those books, some of them you're going to like, some of them you're going to dislike. But if you can take any kind of energy from those books, any knowledge, any inspiration from those books, that then feeds into your life. So if you're a person out there and you write a book about your life story, it might not be number one bestseller and all this other stuff that we use to like validate whether something's good or not. If you write that book and you share it with the world, that story can then go into other people's lives and help them. Um, and, they, and it can inspire them, it can entertain them, whatever it is, it's something that matters. It's like when somebody makes a good meal. If your grandmother or your aunt or somebody you know like this, maybe your uncle, maybe your grandfather, if that's the, the role that they play in their family, makes a great Thanksgiving dinner and everyone eats it. We all appreciate that cook who made that meal. It's not number one bestseller, billion dollar meal, but it's a meal they made that helped us and enriched our lives for that few you know, hour or two that we sat down to enjoy that meal. And if we might come back for many more meals. I have a coworker I work with who wrote a book and I bought their book. It was a great book. One of my favorite books I ever read, right? That coworker isn't a number one, you know, New York Times bestseller. But I know people have read the books that person has wrote and they write really good books. Um, and those stories took me into a place that I would never find on a bookshelf. It talked about things in an unflinching way and got to, you know, concepts that, you know, um, you know, no one's ever presented to me. If you guys are interested in what that book is, you got to DM me because I can't talk about it on the podcast, but it's a real life story. Um, and I will tell you what it is and show you where you can get the book. It was an amazing book. But again, that's a story that was shared to me. I make these podcasts and I'm well aware these podcasts are number one podcast in the world, but I do get consistent plays in the podcast for over two years now. So some of you guys are enjoying it, and I always hope every week that if nothing else comes out of the time I put into the podcast is that maybe one, two, three, four people, how many ever, get some kind of inspiration, get some kind of idea, get a creative spark, have something good come into their, their life that week. Maybe they were driving in the car, and they're a little bored, and they heard a piece of my podcast and made them a little entertained. That's awesome, that my energy can be duplicated like that, even on a smaller scale, and I can share this with you guys, or maybe a few years from now, somebody might come back and listen to these episodes. My kids might come back and listen to these episodes. And if they get anything from it, then that's awesome. And I think about that being said, because in the Young Heart song, that's no different than using AI. If a writer did not have a band, did not have the tools to make their thing happen, and then a movie studio came with their money and said, okay, we'll get you a guitarist, we'll get you a lead vocalist, we're going to make this song happen... Because of that, because of all these things coming together, it gave that writer the ability to express themselves. And they created, in my mind, a legendary song that, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later, got a revival in the Cobra Kai TV show. And hopefully something that fills love into young people's hearts who are listening to that song. Again, Young Hearts by the Commuters love that song. Um, if that person did nothing else in their life, what an amazing thing to leave, right? The Cobra Kai, six seasons, Spider, uh, Karate Kid, three films, big legacy, and your song is a part of that legacy and has brought so much joy to so many people. That's awesome. 
I mean, I, I see my numbers. I know how many people listen to my podcast. I know how people play my Fortnite maps. So to be able to say in 30, 40 years, anything I did had any kind of impact like that, that'd be awesome. And if AI tools help any individual out there who doesn't have a team, who doesn't have everyone around them to express themselves and what they express is something that's worthy of living on that long. That song, Young Hearts, the lyrics and the music, it deserves to live that long. It's a perfect song. <laughs> like it's, it's like happy birthday. It can live on forever. And what it, it would have been horrible if that person didn't get to have those resources to make the song. And I'm sure it only happened because the Karate Kid movie was being made. They wanted the song for that scene. So all that stuff was put together. It was much more expensive back in the 80s to produce a song like that. Um, and then have it distributed. You know, you can't, you, there was no Spotify. There was no, um, you know, SoundCloud, right? So to, to have that potential reach, all these things had to come together. All this money, all these people. And if that doesn't happen, how many artists made songs that we never heard? How many people have books that we'll never read? That might, might really in, you know, inspire you or touch your life in some kind of a way. AI enabling other artists and then the internet enabling that reach is going to create all kinds of awesome things for us in the future for us to enjoy, to be inspired by, and also give you avenues to leave whatever it is you want to leave to other people, to share and connect with them and express that other side of you. Maybe people don't know that you had inside of you. These are a lot of powerful tools that are going to help that it's not going to replace the whole concept of the band. Again, Young Hearts by the Commuters did not ruin the record industry, right? There's still lots of bands who can consistently make great music over and over again, make great albums. Those bands did not lose their jobs. They're still needed because, you know, those bands or those artists that made consistent music had that talent. But for other people who just had a few things they wanted to share, or just that one song in that, in that one particular situation, um, they're going to have the power and the resources now to also share what they share. And so many more people will be out there with the ability to see these things. And again, you know, like Gary Vee says, will his video editors lose their jobs? No, they'll have other jobs to do. It might be video related, um, you know, in some kind of, other kind of way. But one thing he did say, like, if you're a person who your only job is just to do the really mundane, you know, part of video editing, then yeah, you'll lose your job. If you have no ideas in your head and you're not creative, you'll lose that job, but you'll just get another job. I mean, that, it's like the farmers got other jobs, right? People who just want to go to work and they're not creatives, they're not people who have lots of ideas, they'll, they'll find something else for them to do. There'll always be something else for them to do. And then and my, my catch-all is always universal-based income, which I would love to see happen in our lifetime. We have it in other countries. It could work here. Um, to some to some degree, but we're, we're going to be good no matter what, and that's the vibe I'm giving you guys. I hope you guys had a great week. I had a great week. We're back at it again. Hopefully, I get my 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 throat issue cleared up for next week's podcast. And yeah, hopefully, I'll come back with an update on the Marvel RPG and everything awesome going on in the world because the world is awesome. All kinds of cool things to look for. I'm Sammy Rye. Peace.